Hey, I'm Amanda from Trifecta Fitness. We're proud to be Clarksville's new Get Fit headquarters. Trifecta Fitness is a state-of-the-art spin and strength training studio. Our spin studio is truly one of a kind in this area, complete with 20 state-of-the-art live fitness bikes and an incredible sound system. Our strength training is done in small groups of six or fewer, and all of our strength and spin classes are scalable for every level of experience. Come see us in the heart of Clarksville, just behind Mapco at the corner of Old Trenton Road and Wilma Rudolph Boulevard. Call us for more info at 931-542-6265 or download our Trifecta Fitness app for a full list of upcoming classes. We are a show founded by veterans and hosted by veterans and a military spouse. Our mission is to get people to tell their story to the world. If you're an author, share your tips with the Misfit Nation. If you're a musician or actor, our audience needs to know how they too can get into the business. Coaches, we love our coaches. Come on, share some of your tips with the audience to help them become better versions of themselves. If you're a corporate leader or an entrepreneur, come on and share how you did it and how hard you have fought for success. If you're a veteran, first responder, or Gold Star family, we would love to have you come on and just share your story with the Misfit Nation. We always have time for you. Reach out, we will get you on. If you are feeling down, alone, or starting to see the darkness, stop. Think about those who are around you. You are not alone. You will be missed. If you feel like your problems will be a burden to those in your inner circle or are embarrassed to share that with them, please dial 988. If you are a veteran, take option one. We need you to keep pushing forward. Don't make a permanent solution to a temporary problem. If you're a new listener, welcome to the Misfit Nation. Be sure to subscribe to the show on your favorite podcast apps, and also on our YouTube channel, at the underscore Misfit Nation. That's the underscore Misfit Nation. Subscribe and click the bell. This will keep you up to date with all of our latest episodes and all of our news. You can also find us on Electrocast Media and About Face Radio. This will keep you up to get to us and learn more about our great guests. Our next guest is an author, an executive health and performance advisor, and the founder of Executive Health. This boutique concierge provides state-of-the-art executive care for forward-thinking entrepreneurs, investors, and executives. He acts as the CEO of Your Health, where he monitors your health so you can maintain your edge and status. He also hosts, he's also the host of Executive Health of Life. Lastly, he's written 300, that's not 100, 200, but 300 plus episodes, articles, with the majority published in the world's largest publications, such as Inc. Magazine, Entrepreneur, Success, and many more. So without further ado, let's welcome Julian Hayes II to the Misfit Nation. Welcome, Julian. Hey, how's it going, Rich, man? That That's a very cool intro that is that is so cool man i i'm i'm that actually got me pumped up a little bit uh you know for sunday night so um that was that was great and i think that place was in clarksville that's actually down the street clarksville tennessee right yes sir yes sir okay yeah yeah, okay so i'm in the nashville i'm just outside the nashville area outstanding man we could have done this live together 
Oh, we we could have. I I, <laughs> I wish we knew we were closer. You know, there's yes. nothing, you know, over the last few years, there's not anytime there's an opportunity to do something in person, I jump on it now. <laughs> Definitely. Next time we, I know there'll be more success for you in the future. Mm-hmm. And after this episode, I'm sure your success will even plummet higher, uh, uh, propel higher. I'm sorry. And uh, I think we can come back in. You come right here to Studio A here at Misfit Nation, and we'll hang out and we'll. We'll sip on some of uh, whatever you're sipping on there, and we'll have a good time. Chat. That, that sounds like a plan. I just I'm sipping on a little tea right now. It's a little too late. I'm very sensitive to caffeine, so I have to stop my caffeine earlier because I'm already a little high energy. So I, I stop myself with one cup a day, and then I, I shift over to tea. Awesome, awesome. That's a good plan because otherwise you will you'll be up all night, and then tomorrow will be not productive at all. Absolutely, I know, I know that feeling a hundred percent. So Julian, I gave you a little snippet of your of what you do and a little bit of a little bit of your life. Take us now back on your journey from as far back as you want to go mm-hmm. to how we got to where we are now. Yeah, so uh, I think it probably starts as a teenager and a couple of different things as a teenager. So the first thing is I'm playing basketball and I was pretty decent at basketball. Uh, and um, there's an older gentleman, and up until that point, when I think about health. And and everything and getting older. Once you get to thirty, and and after that, things seem to go downhill. That was my whole paradigm because that's what I can, that's what I saw growing up. There there was nothing of like people making smoothies or eating healthy. There was none of that. It was soul, soul food and typical Southern food. And so, and so this guy though was much older than all of us, and he was running up and down the court with us with no problem, and that shocked me. And so I befriended him. And over the course of time, he started talking about life and health. And some of the advice he gave me, it's very basic advice. And as a 16-year-old, you think you know it all. So I was just like, oh, okay, whatever. But I think what he did, though, was he planted seeds in me. And it, you know, as if you're going out in a garden or planting trees, they don't come up instantaneously. But you still there's still activity going on underground, even if you can't see it right now. And I think that's what he did with me. And over the course of time throughout college, I got really involved in health. You know, I, I skipped a lot of parties in undergrad and I had a book in my face. I was just wanted to transform my body. I was a scrawny 165 pound kid. I wish I knew about this beforehand. I wouldn't have got knocked down so much playing basketball. And and so that led me to fast forward a little bit. That led me to going to medical school in New York. And up in, in New York, it's quite different than Nashville. It's I'm not used to the city. And when you're in that, there's a energy that's very magnetic and just addicting and everyone has these big dreams out there and i realized during that time that i'm not really this is not really my passion per se i'm very interested in health but i'm not necessarily interested in being a surgeon like a lot of my classmates were so i needed to make a pivot and i decided not to go back that first after that first year and that, that was not the most popular decision because I'm first generation. And so going to undergrad and getting a degree was a big accomplishment for my family, but going to be a, perhaps a physician and surgeon is just like the pinnacle, right? So you're like the golden child. If, if I had a crown on my head, I would, they would probably give me a crown, <laughs> <laughs> but then they quickly took the crown away when I decided not to do that. And so over the course of, of a year, I remember that one year ago when I did this decision, I was at a per- I was a personal trainer getting paid very little at a at a like a big box gym and then I had another job working at a call center. So in the span of a one year time, I went from you know medical school and all this you know 
prestige stuff that people like to put on titles and everything to, you know, to working at a call center and getting cussed out because uh, I'm trying to do political surveys. And, but you know, over time you just keep evolving. You just, as long as you don't quit, you just keep persevering and you keep reiterating and learning things. And, and that's kind of what I did to get here. And one thing leads me down another different rabbit holes. I start getting involved with different aspects of health and anti-aging and longevity and you find mentors that teach you things. And I'm a curious guy. So I figured that if I'm interested in these things, then maybe other people are. And so everything's just a giant experiment. And that's kind of what led me here today. And who knows where I'll be a year from now? Because it's, it's, I'm not really married to any idea. I have a vision, but I'm not really married to the details on how to accomplish that mission. Definitely. I can tell by your journey. I, I'm from New Jersey, so Jersey City, right for us from the, from the river from where you went to medical school there. Mm-hmm. So I understand the, the, I guess, the cultural difference between there and here where we both are right now. It's a night and day. When I first moved to the South, I was a, a kid. Uh, I was uh, 23 years old, 22 years old. And uh, someone said, thank you. And how are you at, at a grocery store? And I didn't know what to do with that. Coming from New Jersey, I was like, what do you mean? What do you want from me? I I was in shock. I had no idea what to do when someone was polite to me because I was so used to the gruff and everything that was up in New Jersey. So I understand what you went through going the opposite direction, going from everyone being kind of polite and kind of cordial to people mm-hmm. to going up there and then uh, going through medical school and making that uh, career decision up there. And that's a that's a huge decision as a young man to do, especially like you said, you're a first generation to make it out of undergrad and into mm-hmm. the next level. And all hopes were on you at that point. And how did your, how did you feel when your family looked at you like, ah, I don't know what you're doing at this point? Well, at, at first, you know, cause I'm in my early twenties or yeah, mid, mid to early twenties. And so I, you take it personally then, but then yeah. as you get, as you get a little wisdom and, and luckily I, I've had people much wiser than me in my life to kind of, to kind of help me from doing dumb things or even help my thinking and you you, you kind of learn that a lot of times people it's not that so much people are against you they want the very best for you but it's a lot it's a lot of fear and you can't really expect them to kind of see the world that you see or the vision that you see because it's your vision so it's it so they can't see that they're they're going to see it when it actually starts to come it's like seeing a house that's not there right now but you see the plan the, the interior and everything, but the other person just sees a, a empty lot. So that's when I, when I did a little revisionist history, I came back and that's what I saw is that I just understood that this is a place from fear and they were worried about my safety. And, and this is uncertainty. Whereas that's more likely that's safe. Like if you do this and that, you know, the outcome you're going to get, whereas there's no guarantee with the, with that, with the road that I took, you know, this could all blow up in my face. And so I, I think I, so I have a little more grace and understanding now. Exactly. And like, I like what you said there at 20, mid twenties, it's, it's an unknown anomaly at that point. And then as you get a little more wisdom underneath you and under, in, under your seat, under your feet, it's easier to look back and say, I made those decisions. Or even if someone else is making those same decisions now, you can look at them and say, I understand what you're doing. I know what you're doing. And it's not just, for you, it's for what you want to be in 10 years, it's yeah. mm-hmm. 20 years exactly. in that point, in that point like that. So to, to garner, garnish that, uh, that, um, that wisdom at your, at a young age is awesome. 
and and be able to grab that and say, hey, I'm going to move forward and do what I'm doing now. So tell the audience a little bit more about what you do now as as opposed to what you were going to do then. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so uh, it's, it's still a little bit of the same. I actually, um, there was a TV show called House and then there's another show on uh, <laughs> on <laughs> on um, USA. He was this concierge doctor and yeah. that whole concept just fascinated me because uh, <laughs> And so I kind of, it's a concierge model now, whereas, um, and then I'm also very enamored with the future. So it's, it's health, but it's health, what I like to say, health 2.0. So everything is, it's a much more precise model. Every, it's much more efficient and effective. And just to kind of explain this even more is like, a lot of times if someone says, hey, I need to lose weight, you're going to probably give, a lot of times there's a templated thing that, that you're going to give them. But there's so many different variables. For that person there's their genetics there's their current blood work there's their current uh life right now their current life where they are in life right now what's going on in their environment so you're taking all these different models you're looking at your body as a system now instead of just looking at it in silos and also the you're not looking at things as sick care or, or just avoiding disease or anything you're looking at it as how good can i be and in prevention and so that's one thing as well. And then also there's this thing of why do we age? And so I didn't like that idea that because I'm over 30 now and I didn't like the idea. Even when I went on, I remember I went on a couple of dates and the girl's like, she's like, Julie, you know, you're not going to be able to, you know, you're not going to be able to do all of this when you get past 30. You know that. And so <laughs> I, 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 didn't, I didn't, I didn't like that. And so, you know, there's a lot of information out there. A lot of scientists that are working on this stuff and I can take all these different elements and create this service that I think would be beneficial for me and would be beneficial for others. And I also realized that you can't be an expert at everything. So I part, so I have partnerships when it comes to labs, when it comes to fitness, when it comes to nutrition, there's people and we work as a team. So it's like having your own board of directors. And then I kind of just oversee that entire operation because I realized that's my greatest skill set is to look at different things and put these pieces together. If, you know, essentially like a CEO. Definitely. I mean, that's, that's a great mindset that you have there. And uh, I like the reference to house in the beginning. Every time I see that show, I just laugh at his character. <laughs> it's just amazing. He's kind of like that hapless dude that just walks into a, a room and make something happen. And he's the underdog as the smart guy in the room. So it's amazing that, that it works. I like that. He's, he was your focal point for that. That's amazing. Yeah. And it's, it's, you know, his specialty doesn't exist in real life. Right. Right. (laughs) But the idea of that, like he doesn't shy away from complex cases and and problems like that. He, he likes challenging things. And that's what really excited me. That's because at first I started off with just the typical, this is, fitness, fat loss, 12 week, 16 week programs. And then I was like, I think there's more out there. Like what's next? Cause even for myself, that, that, that you're going to continually evolve. And so I wanted a bigger challenge, a bigger thing of like, what's coming in the future? What are people going to be interested in the future? What am I going to be interested in the future? Because I can't keep talking about what I'm, you know, health to me at 27 is different than 36 right now. Right. And, and so what's that going to be at 45? What's that going to be at 55? And so my, even the reasons why I exercise, the reason why I eat, I eat certain foods now, the whole philosophy is different now compared to my 20s. And so this needed to also um, be indicative in kind of my messaging and, and business. Definitely. And I like that you 
that you've already planned it out from 26 to 35 to 45 and, and beyond. And I mean, now you're 36. Oh, and knowing that at 45, you've seen those in your family that had made it to 45 and 55 and beyond what struggles they had health wise and, and basically just living wise. So you were able to take some notes and, and do that along with your education side mm-hmm. and say, all right, I have practical practical knowledge and academic knowledge, and I can put these both together and I can help you get to your best, your be become your best self as your mm-hmm. entrepreneur, as a CEO. And how does that come across to those who are your clients now? Mm-hmm. It's, it's a mindset. It's it's really a mindset because a lot of times when you're 35 or 45 and you're looking to take care of your health, it's not like when you're 25 where I'm trying to get in shape because I'm trying to I'm trying to impress the girls. I'm trying to get a girl. A lot of these people are family family men, family women now. So that's out the door now. Maybe they still want to perform and be in be in shape for their spouse or whatever. Yes, but the language is different. So it's not necessarily just about the physical. It's about, I want more energy. I want to feel like myself still. I want to be able to run around with my kids still. I want to make sure I'm there for my kids to walk her down the aisle. So it's these types of things. I got a business to lead. I got responsibilities. And so you have all these extra things. And so when you, and so it's, 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 the stakes are higher. So it's almost like we're training for admission. I kind of look at my fitness and why I work out and everything. It's for admission is to get myself prepared for other events later in life you know hopefully there's a family that comes along and um as i grow hopefully i can lead other people and have maybe a couple people come in a company and everything and so there's a certain standard that needs to be held there and the only reason i know these things is just because i've seen people older than me that lead people and there's a certain type of mentality and for me that mentality came through exercise and doing hard things Exactly. <laughs> and, and learning by watching those in your environment uh, mm-hmm. as you're growing up, it, as, if we don't watch those who are older than us as we're growing up, our elders or our family as they grow older, even if like me as the youngest in my family, I learned what not to do for my brothers and sisters mm-hmm. so I wouldn't get in trouble. I learned that as an, at an early age, if they did that and they got in trouble, I don't want to do that and get in trouble. So mom, mom was pretty good with that hand or dad was good with that belt. I knew what would happen to me if I did the same thing they did. But in, in the health, in the health first, mom and dad did this and the X, Y, or Z, and it happened to them this way. How can I redo that to make it better? And I think you've learned that just by just watching uh, those uh, who mentored you. And then, of course, through academia and then those who now you are mentoring, even as as a young man, you're mentoring people who are probably older than you. And it's sometimes it kind of feels weird to you, probably. But to them, it's like, oh, it's a it's a bright, shining light. How does that feel to you? Well, I think I at first it feels weird because you look at these people, they're they're, they're like they have the career success, they have the family success, they have all these things. And, you know, I'm just I'm like this, like this, like this. You know, if we're looking at NBA or even NFL, I'm like this upstart team that, you know, had a bunch of high draft picks. We're finally turning around, but we're we're young and dumb. But you but you but the thing I do have, I have energy, vibrancy. And and so it's like a jolt. Right. You know, because I'm all over the place still because I'm at that stage to where I, I'm just I'm on pure adrenaline and energy most of the time. <laughs> and so whereas them, they may be a little more a grizzled old vet, you know, keep things calm and everything. But. They like this youthful energy. And and so, um, I mean, because I do this now. I, I have a, a couple of guys and they're like 
21, 22. And they give me energy. Right. They give me energy on certain things. because, And so I, th I think it's a cycle. And plus I have to, you have to separate that. I'm not here giving these guys life advice with relationships. We're talking about a certain, we're talking about health and performance for the most part. Now, sometimes a lot of our health and performance problems are really just life problems, but I'm at least coming through the lens from a health standpoint. And so that kind of gives me the grace. And then, uh, you know, books, books, books have really helped me with that in, in terms of just getting my mindset with that. Definitely. And uh, I like that you brought up the, the underdog teams or the team that finally gets all those draft picks and pulls mm -hmm. them together and starts <laughs> to come back. I mean, the Titans might do that in a few years. Uh, it's it's going to be a long, it's a long climb for the Titans at this point. But what can high performing athletes teach entrepreneurs and leaders uh, mm -hmm. about sustaining their peak performance? Yeah. So when you, when you're thinking about, when you think about business, a lot of times is typically the more, the more resources that you have, usually the quicker you can scale the quicker you can grow and everything. So there's this emphasis on more, 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 and keep pressing the pedal, keep pressing the gas pedal. And the human body doesn't work like that. Um, the human body actually requires that you have balance. Now balance is going to look different and you're going to be able to withstand more as you train more, but you're still going to search for this equilibrium. So if you look at athletes, as hard as they train, as hard as LeBron plays, he puts an equal amount of attention on his recovery to get himself ready to keep continue to perform. That's why he's still performing at a very high level. He's still a top 10 NBA player easily in year like number 18 or 20. I don't know which one it is. 20 mm -hmm. close to 20 now. Yeah. Yeah. So, so they focus on the performance, but they also focus on the recovery, the work that is not seen. Right. And so a lot of times the business people, you have this mentality of go, 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 go. But, and you know, so it's, it's, it's CrossFit every day. It's, it's how extreme can I get? Cause if you approach business like that, a lot of times you are rewarded to a certain extent, but the body's not like this. You can run your body like a corporation, but there is a few subtle differences and that's the big one. So how do we, um, I guess, transition our bodies mm -hmm. or mindset to perform the same way that we want our company to perform? <laughs> yeah. So I, I like to think of it's, it sounds simple, but the very first thing is to actually identify what it is you're going after. What's the mission? What's the objective? And you'll be surprised how many times if I say, hey, um, what's your goal? What do, what do you want? What's, what's, what's healthy? What's healthy look like to you? What's, what, what kind of fitness do you want? And they'll give a very vague answer. Oh, they'll give an answer that doesn't necessarily even fit within their personality. It's what they think they should want. And so... Uh, a lot of times you, was, sometimes you would hear people, they come up to say, Hey, I want to do a lot of activities that you're doing. I was like, ah, do you really? Because, um, uh, I, I was like, I, I don't think, cause I give up a lot of things for my, for my activities in sports. So what you want, are you willing to, there's a cause and effect for everything. So it's to get that cleared away. Then just like any gr great company does, they're going to delegate. They're going to have different divisions to set off. So what this could look like for you is if you think about nutrition, nutrition usually is the hangup for people. A lot of times people are not necessarily lazy or just sitting on a couch doing nothing. They're doing, they're active already. It's usually nutrition and that's usually a structure problem. So I like to look at this like a delegation thing. And there's a couple of different options and, but I'll just share a simple one. A lot of times people don't struggle at breakfast. Breakfast is pretty good because your day is still in your control. Where people lose today is typically in the middle of the day, in the afternoon. 
Sometimes people don't want to stop working. Sometimes people will just grab whatever's close to convenience. And as we know in this world, usually things that are very convenient are probably not good for us in this world. So what can you do? One of the easiest things is you can have some type of, um, you can use a meal delivery service, or you can even prep a few days ahead for that meal for just that. So you can already have that. And there's a great book by Bill Walsh called, uh, what's it called? Uh, there's a great book by Bill Walsh. I forgot, I forgot its, its name. But it's but the premise of that story is the 49ers were apparently very terrible in in the early 80s. I, I wouldn't know. It wasn't here just yet. Um, <laughs> and, but, but they, were ter- they were terrible. And what he did when he came in, though, is I think it's called standard of report performance or that's what he called it, a standard of performance. And so he had the players, their shirts were tucked in. There was very little cur- cursing. The coaches had a certain outfit. The players ran the, the certain drills. The QBs had their their foot placement in a certain way. Everything was in order. So he established a culture, a standard, a way of doing things. And that's the same thing that you can do with your nutrition. Because a lot of times people go by randomness. Like, what's your nutrition strategy? How how are you going to eat? Well, I don't know. I just find something that that I think is good for me and go with that. That takes a lot of of mental energy away. And if you have a bunch of other things going on in your life already, you're wasting precious mental bandwidth thinking about things that you probably shouldn't think about. Now, I don't want you to turn into a robot and right. do seven days a week. But for the most part, for most people, at least having some type of strategy Monday through Friday is going to be ideal. So you can free up that mental space to focus on other things that actually that need more time than that. So establishing a standard of performance with your nutrition. So this is what I'm doing for breakfast most of the time. This is what I'm doing for lunch. This is what I'm doing for dinner. And even having like a menu, a playbook of a couple meals. So for me, uh, in my situation, it's either rice or it's either sweet potatoes, then it's vegetables, and then it's it's some type of meat, and then there's olive oil, and boom, that's my meal. The quantities and everything might change, but during the week, this is part of, this is part of my standard, and that's going to be my dinner. Outstanding. I mean, that's a great plan right there, and uh, I like the the Bill Walsh and now uh, uh, reference there because he was a great coach and. He did build that 49ers team into a dynasty, basically, during mm-hmm. the 80s. And if you close your eyes now and, and look at what Deion Sanders is doing, what he did at Jackson State and what he's doing now at Colorado, he walks in there and says, you will not come in here looking like a slob. Mm-hmm. You will not wear slides. You will not wear your shirt out of your pants. You will go in there and you'll represent this team and be a professional in class, and then you'll come on the field and be professional there. And I think that's the same mindset he might have – I mean, he – he was, he's been around a long time and I got to see him play. I got to see him uh, grow as an athlete and, and now as a, an awesome uh, man, mentor, coach, and he's doing great things there. Do you see any correlation between what Dion's doing now and what Bill Walsh said in that book? Absolutely. Absolutely. And, you know, I even, it's, whatever it is you're going after, whether it's uh, the relationship, whether it's with the health or whether it's the sports team, everything starts in the mind first, right? You you become that thing first before you get that result. And a lot of times, you know, I'll take a person that's, that's losing weight. For example, say they have 15 to 20 pounds to lose. You don't identify with that 15 to 20 pound self identify with the person who's already lost that weight and become that person. And a lot of times they want to wait in the future until they lose those pounds to identify. Right. And that's a paradox because that future cannot happen unless you start right now identifying with that future self that you want. And so what does that person do? What is a person who's 15 to 20 pounds lighter? How do they act and perform? 
And I think that's what Dion is doing there. How does a top class program that is successful, how would they act? What does their culture look like? What is their standard of performance? You know, how do they walk? How do they talk? How do they go about things? You're establishing order because a lot of times if you don't have any order, you have chaos. And it's, I, I'm pretty sure it's pretty, it's fairly difficult to win when things are chaotic. I haven't, I, I haven't seen it. <laughs> it's very hard to win. Yeah. I, don't, I, don't, yeah. <laughs> I, I don't, I don't care how talented you are. If you have a cohesive unit and a team, that's going to take you, that's going to take you further than just this randomness and chaotic thing, because there's a lot of days where maybe people don't feel like doing things, or maybe a lot of the kids, the 18 year olds won't feel like it. You know, they got finals going on and they're like, Oh man, why did I got to dress this way? I just want to go in here and just put these shorts on. But no, this is the culture that we establish and that's going to pay dividends because a lot of times, at least for me, I learned a lot of lessons through fitness and running and lifting and boxing. And I've taken a lot of those lessons to my professional life. And I think those and those kids are going to be able to do the same thing. And I'm pretty sure those players did because pretty sure. And I think some of the people are on the coaching staff became head coaches. Right. I think it, I think it was, was it Bill Walsh or Mike Holmgren? But even, even though if you nevertheless look at a lot of the top teams in the NFL right now, or even look at Bill Belichick, even though I don't think their coaches did too well by themselves, but I'm an Eagles fan. So we'll use them for example, even though I don't want to talk about the Super Bowl. Gosh. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So, but look how many people from that staff were, were have different positions now. Some are head coaches, some are coordinators now. But it's the top, but it's an organization that, that it was established. And it started with the owner, you know, setting a good general manager and then going with the head coach and then going with those people and then going with the players. And then, especially with the quarterback, a lot of times he's the leader out there. And so they're going to take the cues from the quarterback. Definitely. If you like in that reference, if you look at the trees of the great coaches, you see them coaching throughout. So even Nick Saban, I hate, uh, I'm not an Alabama fan at all. Mm-mm, me neither. I can't, I can't deny what he's done though. Yes. I can't deny what he has done as a coach and all his coaches are throughout the sec now as mm-hmm. head coaches or their head coaches elsewhere. And that's because of his brand and what he has done and in, in putting their mindset to do that. Uh, Bill Parcells back in the day in the Giants, his coaching tree is throughout the NFL right now. And it led to the Bill Belichick that we have and, and his coaching tree that is spread out throughout the league. So you can't that that's something like you said, it's something that just happens when someone is great. It happens like that. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'll bring up here a, a quote Big- from one of our, one of our guests right here. Uh, uh, Philip D. Blackman, a great friend of mine, a EOD uh, Army veteran. He's dropping, Julian is dropping knowledge. Everyone wants six pack, pack abs, but fail to realize that six pack abs are created in the kitchen. The misunderstanding they need to eat more meals, not food, to speed up the metabolism. Mm-hmm. So, so Philip is always great, great, uh, a great fan of the show. He also has an awesome show himself. So he he threw it out there to, to you, Julian. And uh, so he's on here listening to you and he understands what you're saying as well. So also an old crusty vet like myself. Well, thank you. Thank you for your service as well. <laughs> awesome. And along with Philip and myself, um, many veterans have problems with sleep. Mm-hmm. Uh, after since probably 2003, I haven't slept more than three hours straight a night. Mm-hmm. since 2003. That's a long time not to sleep more than three hours straight a night. So why is sleep so critical to anyone's success, not to mention an entrepreneurial? 
Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, they're doing a, actually, you know, I'll answer this, but I, they're doing a lot of studies on veterans and, and, and sleep and everything and almost essentially kind of rewiring their brain back to their previous state before service and everything. Cause it's, it's a prevalent issue in the veteran community to my understanding uh, with, with sleep and everything. And, um, almost being nocturnal, like, or just having all these micro, you know, it's just, uh, I, I can't, haven't studied it intensely, so I, I can't speak on it just yet, but I know they're doing some interesting research and some interesting, um, different therapies for, uh, so, um, not sure how like big pharma and things like that are going to adopt it probably, but, um, there, there is some good alternative solutions that are on the horizon, but, when we think about sleep, every single facet of our life is connected by sleep. If you think about it from a from a decision making standpoint, uh, an easy example to think about is you have you have your amygdala, which is more of a emotional portion of our brain, very primitive. Then you have a prefrontal cortex, which is more logic and reasoning. And a lot of times, when someone is chronically sleep deprived, what's happening is there's a lot more brain activity. If you if you had your brain hooked up, you would see a lot more activity in your uh, amygdala and less activity in prefrontal cortex. So what that looks like is for a typical person is they're going to be operating from a much more reactive and emotional standpoint instead of a logic and reasoning. And so if you think about this from a leadership standpoint, you have a leader who's much more reactive, much more emotional with his decision making. Maybe he's a little more uh, snappy and, or, or quick to uh, lash out or something and, and not as have empathy. And, and, and even if you look at this with the family, it can be the same thing. You can have someone who's not as empathetic, not as thinking reasoning with their, with their family. And if you think about this from a health standpoint, you know, there was a, a cool study years ago now, and I think it was the University of Chicago, I think, but don't quote me on that. But the premise is basically they had a group that was around five and a half hours and had a group that was around seven and a half hours, and they lost the same amount of weight. But the difference was the group, the group that slept less, they were, they lost mostly muscle and just water, whereas the other one was losing fat as opposed to that. And also their hormones were different. So testosterone levels were different as well because a big portion of our hormones are regulated during sleep. Now, as far as some things, everyone's different. There's so many different things for sleep. There's the typical stop caffeine intake, probably at least 12 hours before you're going to bed because coffee has a, a, um, a long half-life. So that's that's something to look into. And sometimes it's longer depending on your genetics. And another thing that I like is to, I have blue blocking glasses. I don't have them here. And so if you're on screens a lot at night and there's a bunch of light, so I have these blue blocking glasses and that kind of dulls it. And therefore that's, that's helping more of my melatonin secrete instead of just the cortisol. And, and a couple of things for me, that's worked for me. Once again, this is very different for everyone is magnesium. So in particular, there's a form called usually magnesium glycinate, which could be beneficial, um, L-theorinate. These are just different supplements and, and powders that you can make in a tea and everything. And increasing my magnesium help for me to help me relax and everything. And meditating close, close to when I go to bed to kind of calm my mind. 
because I have a lot of, um, my mind goes everywhere. And then also journaling helps with me because once again, I have, I have a lot of stuff going on. I'm thinking about what to do. So what I did was I take about 10 minutes or so at night and I just, just write my thoughts. And I usually make sure my day is kind of planned for tomorrow as well. So I'm not in the bed thinking about that. And those are just some of the more general things that anyone could try to see if that works before, you know, looking into other things. Awesome. And uh, PDB jumped right back in. He said uh, on his weight loss journey, he lost almost 80 pounds now. He didn't realize mm-hmm. how much food truly matters in his mood, recovery, and even sleep mm-hmm. and changed his diet and even changed everything else. And then uh, now he's starting to get good sleep, have better mood, and all by changing just his diet. This is an mm-hmm. amazing show, and people need to listen to this conversation. So thanks, Philip. Uh, mm-hmm. It's awesome having you on here, brother. Yeah, because it, it's it's inflammation. If you think about it, excess weight is a form of, you can say it's toxicity. You're holding on to, to extra fat and it's it's inflammation. And so naturally, if you start to get rid of that a little bit, it's your, if, you know, if you had a wearable or anything, you're, you'll probably see that your heart rate is increasing. You'll probably see something called HRV, which is heart rate variability. You'll probably see that that's improving. You'll probably see that your respiratory rate is improving a little bit. And these things are naturally going to, you know, help your body get more in a more optimal state. I like to think about things as, you know, we can have a, a broken body, we can have a suboptimal body, we can have a, a body that's equilibrium, and then you can start looking into optimize and you can start looking to enhance. So you have these different stages. But, you know, the big domino is weight control. When you knock that out, he'll probably see if you did any lab work, you'll probably see a lot of your biomarkers as well, just improve just from that. And that's, the big message a lot of times is that you know there's a lot of cool toys and gadgets out there now you know i'm I'm a huge fan of them but they're not we have to look at everything as in a sequence and a lot of times people want like the limitless pill or they want to try this thing to almost like shorten the curve but not even have the foundation intact yet and it's and i think this is where you hear people say hey this these supplements this thing that thing doesn't work well you went out of order with things. It, it's like it's like me trying to put up these chandeliers and these these lamps and everything, and I don't have a foundation in this house yet. You know, it's okay. out of order. It, it's not going to work. <laughs> or you don't put an anchor in the ceiling and everything falls down on you, so it'd be horrible. <laughs> yes, because that's so that's that's why I'm I'm very mindful not to usually anytime I'm, I'm talking and I know there's a there's an audience there's an audience and anything to not just say hey take this one particular thing. Right. Because I take this one particular thing because I have all these other things in sequence for a very specific reason. You know, are you, do you have your sleep hygiene? Are you working on your sleep hygiene? Are you getting your activity in every day? Um, How are you doing with, you know, stress mitigation and reduction? And how are you doing with your food? If you're not even doing those things first, those are just the big pillars, then everything else is a mute point. Exactly. And uh, I think a lot of this uh, mindset we've talked about earlier and people believe if if everyone in their family has been a bigger person or mm-hmm. it's been genetic, that their genes are the reason why they are the way they are. Is there a way people can get their mindset off of, I have to stay with my genes and probably mm-hmm. move to something different and change it? Yeah, it's um, it won't happen overnight, but it, it's it's conditioning your mind. It's It's really taking control of your mind. And it's a it's an ironic thing because I come from a family. If I look I, I look at my genes when I did my genetic testing, 
and I have a very high propensity for insulin resistance. You can say that's blood sugar problems that leads to diabetes. So my father had diabetes, um, grandfather, a bunch of aunts, different dialysis machines. And that would lead you to think though, it, are my genes my destiny or not? And the good news is that it's not. Our genes are really just clues to who we are and where we came from. But there's a thing called epigenetics, which is above the gene. That's the thing that can actually mold our future. That's the thing that usually talks to our genes to express and not express. And we have much more control of those things because the way we eat, the way we exercise, the way we sleep, the way we think, the way we love the people in our lives, our work, all this is pretty much communicating with our bodies on an everyday basis on what to express and what not to express. And so I, I talked to someone about a while ago, and I think I even said this about myself. I was like, if that's the case, then wh whatever it is, then I, if, if it does run in the family, I don't care. It's going to stop with me regardless. And I just took that attitude that it's going to stop with me regardless. And I'm going to put up a fight for it. And not everyone probably has that combative rah, rah, rah mentality. So some people maybe need to be a little more delicate. And usually for the people who are a little more delicate with that, I usually try to ease them and say, just practice meditation, practice visualizing over the course of days and actually probably until it's second nature right. of really honing in on this person who, who you are not thinking about what's in my family and all that. Cause that's, a, that's a different thing. You know, what my uncle does doesn't necessarily determine what's going to happen in my body. That's that's we're, we're all different. We're different in that regard. We share a few similar characteristics, but for the most part, we're different. And so you have to be very careful. This is why I'm also very careful for people not to label themselves like I have high cholesterol, I have this, because you're identifying with this state. And that's, that's you know, and a lot of times this might be a little too woo-woo-y for people, but I've seen it way too much now. And, and there's a growing field called psychoimmunology, where a lot of times we can really think ourselves sick. Yeah. We, we can manifest certain things. I think about when my father passed a few years ago, that all of a sudden I had really serious acid reflux just out of nowhere. And I went to the doctor to get checked up and, I was, and she's like, you have excellent vitals and everything. I was like, wow. It's like, wow, the stress and everything happened. And a lot of times these things are going to show up differently for different people. So for me, a lot of times now I've noticed when I get really stressed or start thinking in a certain way over the course of time, I get the little GER, the acid reflux and everything. Whereas some people just get these headaches. Some people get stomach aches. Some people just get their joints to start getting creaky and, and everything out of nowhere. And so that's a lot of that stuff's hard to explain. And you probably sound crazy if I went and, and told like people on the masses or, or on a megaphone that, hey, you know, the way you think is a big part of your immune system, but it does. Because um, you can actually, there's IgG and, you know, we've heard about a lot of the immune system now over the last few years. IgG is a very critical component to protecting our immune system. Well, if we're thinking and stressed out a lot of times and we're thinking in a certain way, we can actually lower our IgG and make ourselves even more susceptible. So these are things that we can do every day by simply meditating, by simply focusing on what we want more instead of what we don't want. Awesome. So on that note, what are the first few steps a person can take to maybe expand their lifespan or their health span. Mm -hmm. Yeah. The very first thing is, uh, and, uh, and uh, we'll share a few more is the very first thing is to really take it, take an audit, actually 
before you even take an audit of yourself, number one is to really cast this net, this vision of what optimal health means to you. Like really get in touch with it, with all your senses. Like what, what is it, what does it feel like? You know, what, what, how are you moving? Who, who are you with? What do you look like? What, what, what are you wearing? What's your typical day? All these things. And don't even just think about from a, don't even think about just from a physical standpoint. How from? Think about, um, oh, that's pretty cool. Yeah. To accept, press one. <laughs> to send a voicemail, press two. Hey, PDB, how are you doing? You're live on the air. Hey, guys, how you doing, man? First off, uh, Rich, as always, banging show, my man. You, uh, another excellent guest. This is a 10. I had a question for, uh, for, for your guest, Julie. Mm-hmm. All right, he's got you. All right, sir. So, first off, you're dropping knowledge bombs. And, and as somebody who's been going through a crazy transformation for myself, um, everything that you're saying, I, I can attest to, right? Everything you're saying as far as mindset, ideology, that is banging, bro. But here's but what you kept saying one thing, and I talk about a lot in my mental health shows when I was doing them. I talk about mindfulness, right? Meditation. And you've actually brought it up several times. But here's the, the thing. When I talk to people about meditation, and I don't really know how to guide them because I know it works for me. Um, I guess my, my, my question for you, for, for anybody that's listening, because mindfulness and meditation is so important. Mm-hmm. There's people that really just don't know how to do it. Mm-hmm. Can you, and I'm going to hang up so I can get back to the show and hear your response. But sir, I'm just curious, is there, um, are there guys, is there a guide or is there a way that you can maybe help people uh, get into that mindfulness state, you know, cloud now that white noise of the world by out and just get into themselves. Do you have any recommendations um, how, how people can, can learn to meditate? Yeah. So I was one of those people who the hardest part for me when it, for my health journey was actually slowing down and doing this type of stuff. It was the, it was the, it was the stretching. It was the, the mindfulness, the meditation. I just wanted to do activity. I wanted to punch something, run or lift. <laughs> I, I enjoyed that. <laughs> the punch, the punching's new. The punching's the third one. Uh, so probably lift, run, then punch. Yeah. And so, uh, learning on swimming, but, um, but back to that. So sometimes meditation seems to, I usually with the people, sometimes if I say prayer, if I know they're a little more religious or spiritual, I might say prayer. And I think they can get some of the same benefits with prayer. So one, I want to see where they're coming from. Um, but if they're not, if I don't use the word prayer and I say meditation or mindfulness, what I would say is don't even think about, you don't have to do any ums or anything like that. Just sit for like two minutes, three minutes, if you're just starting and just notice and focus on inhaling, exhaling, just through your nose, just practice that. If you, if your mind wanders off, which it probably will, that's normal. Don't judge it. Don't try to fight it. Just simply observe your mind's wandering off and then get back to inhaling, exhaling for that two to three minutes. Sometimes also there's an app and it's called, I have it on my phone here. There's an app that I use that a lot of other people use as well. It's called Insight Timer. It's a free app. And I like Insight Timer because there's guided meditations and there's so there's every topic under the sun on here. And so the guided meditations help people. So if just sitting quiet is too much, use one of the guided meditations. And I think they're going to still get a lot of the same benefits. So if someone's struggling with stress or something, there's a meditation on stress on there and you'll have a lady or a guy that will give instructions for the five to 10 minutes. And there's different time frames on there as well. And 
I definitely, definitely, definitely recommend to make it so easy that you can't fail at the very beginning when you're encouraging someone to start this. So that's why I say two to three minutes. Everyone has two to three minutes. 10 minutes is a little dicey for some reason, but everyone has two minutes or even one minute just so they can do it. And what you're doing is you're building that habit. You're not, and you're not even worried about the quality of it. This is kind of how I thought about like exercising at first is that I'm just trying to get in the habit of it. And I'll worry about the quality. I'll worry about like, even like my, my jab or my hook. I'll, I'll worry about that later. I just want to, I just want to get in the habit of hitting the bag for a little bit. I got my gloves and everything. I just want to focus on this habit. I want to become a person who boxes. I want to become a person who meditates. And the easiest way to do that is to build momentum. And so the easiest way to build momentum is to make the barrier is to make the barrier to entry as easy as possible. And then we'll go from there because a lot of times we get addicted to the feeling that something brings us. So I did a 24 mile run last week. And when I first started running, I just ran maybe like a quarter because I'm used to sprinting. And I said, I'm just going to run a little bit and stop. And then over time, I was like, I kind of like this feeling. I like this feeling it's giving me in my head. And then you just start doing more. You just start doing more. You start doing more because you get addicted to the feeling. But you can't really have that kick in yet until you consistently do the habit. And so that's why I always encourage you to make this habit as simple as possible. So hopefully that helps. Man, that's a great answer to that question. And uh, I think uh, Philip really pointed you in the right, pointed a question to you and he wanted to know a great answer and you gave a great answer. And that's awesome. So with those, all the answers we talked about tonight and everything we've, we've talked about and we broached a lot of subjects, where do you see the future of health? Oh, before I answer that, I forgot. I, I did answer for people who some of the things they can do right now. Okay. Yeah. I don't I don't want to leave them on that. And then we'll come back to that. So the first thing is, like I said, to really cast this 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 net, this vision of of optimal health. What does optimal health look and mean for you? Because to me, it's going to be different than, than than you, most likely. And I really want you to get specific on that because if you're operating with someone else's vision, you're not really gonna stick with it and you're not gonna it's not gonna really charge you. Like when I think about optimal health and in the future and where I'm going and the things that I'm going for, it charges me up. Yeah, you know, and so you really have that in the back of your mind. And the second thing, after you have this vision, and if you really, if you're a competitive person, create an anti-vision, create the person that you despise becoming. So I have an anti-vision as well of the person. So some days I have to bring this out. If I'm, if I'm not doing what I'm supposed to be doing, or if I just need like a jolt, I read about this other person of who I could be if I stick, if I keep doing certain things, and I, I do not despise the person. There's a couple of things in life that I do not like. And so, and so I have that on there. Now, after that part, the second thing is to perform an audit on yourself and to really look at, okay, what, what are some weaknesses that I have right now? Am I sure? Is it my weight right now? Um, and Part of the audit is also making sure to at least do annual blood work. I prefer people to do more, but uh, if, if we're just getting this game started to kind of go along with the meditation thing, at least get it annually. At least because even if you're healthy right now, because then you're going to at least have a baseline of where I'm at right now and then where I can go now. And then that's going to give you an idea of what I need to what I need to focus on. What are some areas to focus on? And then, because you have that, that's probably going to help you with your nutritional approach. 
because a lot of times we might pick something it's like hey i see keto or carnivore or this eating steaks all day sounds great maybe i'll do this because this person's having it well i don't know if that fits me i don't even know if that fits my psychology so that's a big part as well i like to eat carbohydrates i don't like to go out i don't want i don't i don't want to go out to dinner and just be the guy who's just going to eat a steak and you know and a salad or something it's just not me and so if you're that type of person great what can we do? You don't have to restrict yourself. I know a lot of times people say, you know, this food's bad, this food's bad. I don't, I don't know about that. Maybe some are not as ideal as others, but there's ways around that to create a strategy. And the reason why I'm so big on this stuff is because a lot of our issues come from creating unnecessary friction with fitness and life. Life gets in the way of fitness. If you see every year at New Year's resolution, people, they come out guns a blazing. They're training hard. Like I had someone for some reason was training with me for a week. Didn't see him the next week. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. You know, because it, they didn't have any synergy with right. their life. Life's not going to slow down. Life doesn't care that you want to get in shape this year. It doesn't care. <laughs> you know, so you, you have to keep these things in mind. So those are the first few things. And so once you have this strategy, I'm, I'm very big in the strategy. So once you have the strategy, then you can start bringing in certain things certain supplements to help uh, guide you to help offset, you know, you know, to help cover up bases, certain bases that you don't have. And this is, you know, this ties into where do I see the future of medicine and health going? I see the future is much more precise with their, with, with the way it, with the way they're going. First, I see that they start classifying aging as a disease. Um, because if you tackle aging, you could help society as a whole increase not only their health span, but their lifespan as well, much more than like if we eradicate, I believe if we eradicate all of heart disease, I think it only gives every, I think it only gives the world like an extra two or three years of life. So if, you know, aging inflammation is at the, inflammation is at the root of pretty much every chronic illness out there. So if you tackle that, I would like to see that first, because then that's, because then that's going to help a lot of the things that are maybe now just cash-based practices. A lot of doctors are just, a lot of the doctors with the state of the art tools, they're usually just cash-based practices. So they don't take insurance. So unfortunately that takes out a lot of people who could use it. Right. But insurance companies will not reimburse a lot of these things, even if they are beneficial because they are competition with insurance with um different pharmaceuticals and things like that so it's a it's a it's a lot of red tape when it comes to that so i i would like to see a world where also a lot of the technology now it's going to come down in price it's going to be more massively more uh, available to the masses because as with any new technologies out there now the early adopters it's the most expensive just like with the phones it came down in price just like with computers they used to be I think they're relatively, they're still a little expensive, but they used to be really expensive and they used to not, they used to not have any options with it. And so, but over time it came down. So I'm not worried about that part. I'm more worried about the way that people, the, the, the quality of care that they're going to get when they go to different hospitals and everything. And I, Cause I think about like for myself, for example, uh, my genetics, I metabolize alcohol sl slower. I metabolize a lot of different medications slower. So my liver processes things slower than other people. And so I think about a future where if physicians and even in the emergency room, you have this type of information on a person, 
when you're prescribing them medications, you can take these into account and not just give everyone the same um, dosages of this medication. I've seen it with my dad a lot. So the last few, last three, three and a half years as, as a caretaker for my father. And so I, I had a very um, intimate experiences a lot of times going to ERs and all this stuff with my dad and everything and seeing the cost of all these things and then seeing a lot of the care, seeing a lot of the suggestions that were not um, available for him because of the insurance. And so I, I just didn't like that. So I, I hope in the world now, and it's starting to come that where people can order their own labs, it's becoming easier to order your own labs at home. Now, probably need help reading those or understanding it but you're at least getting step you're at least getting step one though right and so i i just want a more wide a lot of this information to be more widely distributed and not just to be closed off to everyone like it is right now definitely and uh i think uh if more people took advantage of getting those labs like you said maybe start once a year mm-hmm. take some baby steps and, and move forward baby yeah. steps always get you to that next thing and in order to create a habit that becomes part of your life, it usually takes about 21 days mm-hmm. to, to do something 21 days straight to do it. So if you start changing things for 21 days and make it happen, it's going to stick with you. Unlike like you're the guy you said that uh, was at the gym with you for a week and then disappeared. That's the New Year's resolution. That's yeah. why I never say make resolutions, make goals, make goals and put them in front of you. So you have to see them every day. Mm-hmm. If you see those goals every day, you'll feel bad if you don't do them. Yeah. And you'll do and you'll, you'll achieve. Yeah. And the good thing is you'll rise to the occasion a lot of times. Right. You like, if you're trying to get somewhere that you're not right now, then obviously there's a, there's something that needs to grow within you. And I think that's the same thing when we think about these goals and, you know, when we think about like the preventative care, there's a lot of times now we can, you can look at how a person's going with their, with their blood and with certain labs and, and tests. And these things might not even show up for another five to six years. Right. But just think how powerful that is to have kind of some index, some KPIs that you can have potentially that this would even manifest and show up until seven to eight years down the line. Because a lot of times with the standard model now, you couldn't even get these um, ran because you're not showing signs or symptoms of anything. And so we have to wait for you to show something. We have to wait for you to be sick before we actually take action. And so it's not, it's not the physician's fault neither. And so it's just, it's the system's fault. It's a, it's an organizational thing. They're doing the best they can. You know, I have the pleasure. I can talk to someone. I can talk to a a client as long as I want. (laughs) I can at least talk to them, you know, usually an hour or a little more. And I really get to know them over the course of months. I get to know how their family's doing and everything. And so you get to build this rapport. You get to really understand this person is struggling maybe with their health, maybe because they have all these other things going on that you would never get to talk about in a 15 to 20 minute visit. You know, and that's just this, the system that we live in, which is unfortunate. Right. And without a, if you go to a doctor for a toe injury, you can't get other things tested because mm-hmm. it's not going to be listed in the insurance as why you went to the doctor that day mm-hmm. or everybody won't cover it. So it really hurts out. hurts a lot of but people. Yeah. But yeah, but I think that I think the future, nevertheless, I think the future is I think the future is bright. Um I, I think humans are resilient and I think um overall, um I don't know, it's just life that there's always things, inefficiencies and everything, but 
life would be boring if we didn't have things to to tackle and problems to solve and to to make better. So that's that's kind of how I look at it. Outstanding, Julian. This has been a great uh, hour long talk with you. This is my my first time hitting the hour mark on the live show. Awesome. This is awesome. We did it. We Nashville, Clarksville, strong here. So, uh, how does someone get in contact with you if they want to either get you to help them with their with their business, their, their business health, or their personal health in their business? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Just that with you. Yeah. So, um, you know, you you can check out the podcast Executive Health in Life, and um, you can go to the website and um, executivehealth.io, and you'll see the contact page there. Just fill out a few questions, and then we'll jump on the phone for thirty minutes, and we'll just talk. And a lot of times, what happens is we kind of solve things just then and there and we're done. But if you want to continue and, and have a working relationship, we'll go from there. But I always sit down with and talk with someone 30 minutes. If you're in, if you're local, we can meet in person. Awesome. Uh, uh, Philip just said great show guys. And Thank uh, you. He's, he's been a great uh, cheerleader for us tonight and an awesome fan of our show. I love his show. I can't wait till it comes back. And uh, Julian, I'm sure we'll be back on here again. Uh, uh, let's let's schedule for about six months from now. Let's see where you are and mm-hmm. see what new things you're doing at that time. If that's good with you, that sounds good. That sounds good. Awesome. Let's. Uh, I'll see you in about two minutes from after we're through this break here. Thanks for checking us out and being a part of the Misfit Nation. Don't forget to visit our website at themisfitnation.com. It's themisfitnation.com to catch up on all of our episodes and also to get some of that great Misfit Nation gear. As always, be humble. Stay hungry and keep hustling because we are 